It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Eleven personnel is back. We are alive, ready to rock and roll here at the NFL Combine. This time without a ton of technical difficulties. Knock on wood. We did, we did an injury beforehand, and I keep doing that. I do it every single time. I got to figure out how to use my computer uh, once and for all. Uh, that's what happens when you try to be a YouTube sensation. You, you go through a few hiccups every now and then. Uh, what can, how is your finger after suffering that severe injury? I think I'm going to be okay. A little blood on the middle finger here. Um, just the cost of doing business, right? You know, working hard, typing all day, move a chair, once somehow cut your finger. But that's just uh, par for the course here this week in Indianapolis, Nick. It's been a wild ride for the KSR crew up here. Yep, yep. Uh, and – we're, we're, we're muscling through it, and we're doing it all thanks to our friends at Monticello Bank. 128 years they've been in business. They're going to have competitive rates to get you what you need to get done. They'll finance your future at Monticello Bank, mbcbank.com. Check out their app. It's fantastic. It's outstanding. Monticello Bank, they've got, I said yesterday there was 40 locations. I don't think that was correct, but it's 21 in 14 different counties. I think I've got that right this time. It was Google. Google lied to me like it. That's what you get for relying on the folks at Google. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. Only at KentuckySportsRadio.com, KSRPlus.com, and at NBCBank.com. Today, like it was the day we got to hear from the quarterbacks. Uh, We did not get to stand next to Bryce Young, but I'm pretty sure he's. he would take two of him standing on his shoulders to be as tall as me. Yeah, I think I think that you'll be all right. That's like the talk of the talk of the day. I believe they'll measure in tomorrow uh, the quarterback. So we'll get heights, weights, hand size, arm length, all of that good stuff tomorrow on the quarterbacks. Um, plus, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson are all throwing tomorrow afternoon, Saturday afternoon. So that's really that. That is the show tomorrow. I mean, that's the show of the week. Really, it's the quarterbacks, and then we'll the everybody's been waiting on the height and the weight. For Young, we'll get to see how Levis throws. And we heard from him today. We heard a different Will Levis, I thought, at yeah. the podium. We really didn't hear. There was some, not saying it's in a bad way, but there was some arrogance behind how Levis was talking. That uh, seemed like maybe that was kind of the plan of his team, um, to come out and try to be uh, show some bravado more than normal in this process. Yeah, because Will is uh... – He's not reserved. He's never been reserved. But he d- typically interviews his more of a laid-back approach, whereas today it was very much – His answer always came across as very calculated, where today was more so – I don't want to say like going rogue, but it was more so wanting to show like some of that competitiveness and just want like that, that he's here and that he thinks he's the best and letting people know that he thinks he's the best. 
that's that's all it was. I mean, but it was just different than what we've seen from Levis the past two years. He was a little bit more cranked up, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, he 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 gave some fun quotes, right? Um, I, I thought that when he got asked about his favorite fruit, which of course that's a question that comes up when talking with NFL prospects, uh, that was when we saw him turn off the like cocky button. It's like he unpushed it and then it was just normal will. Um, but when we got that. The cocky will is fun, too, because it gave us some great quotes. And uh, I asked the question pretty simple. How do you differentiate yourself from the other quarterbacks? And not only was it the physical tools, but he, you know, he talked about how my character, my morals, uh, how I, I compose myself as a quarterback. Um, but then he, he really laid it on thick when it said when I asked, hey, uh, how, how come you're doing the, the quarterback drills? Not everybody always does it. They don't have to do it. And he said, because I got a cannon. Why wouldn't I want to show that off? And that that's the big headline. Will Levis, cannon of an arm. You know, Young's not going to be out there, but he is going to be next to Stroud out there, who's Ann Richardson, the two other guys he's probably competing with for QB2 honors, bare minimum. Um, the biggest advantage Will has is just his raw physical throwing ability. And I think that's going to be a chance with them in the same building at the same time. That's going to give him a, potentially a chance not only to pass Stroud, but build some cushion potentially in some teams' eyes. And so I think they're, it seems like his camp is really leaning into that and using that. Like that that's going to be a, that's a big piece of their strategy, I think, is have him out there and have him out there uh, when everybody's watching to kind of be above – the competition in a, a controlled setting like that, which that controlled setting is kind of made for him, right? You know, if he's able to deliver the ball accurately and show off some of that, that big arm, it's going to have a lot of people excited. And he's going to be potentially the talk of the combine if he goes out and has a good throwing performance. I do just find it interesting, though, that these guys are coached up when we talk to them uh, with our regular football media interviews. But this is a different... There certainly is a strategy that you're you're just not accustomed to seeing where that they're trying to maximize. He's pay, I mean he's paying these people a lot of money to maximize the amount of money that he can make, and it's it's just it's fascinating to see those kind of wheels turning uh, in front of your eyes. One thing that strikes me every year coming to this event, if you try to ask them, like you know, you ask a cornerback, hey, have you know man coverage? Are you comfortable man? coverage it's usually like at college a little more like reserved with what they're saying from like a schematic standpoint we're here they're trying to like show off yeah what you know yes like we don't get that like if you go to sec media days and now if you ask someone related schematic question you're getting a totally different answer at the combine than you are um in college i think college football i mean it's very secretive in a lot of ways um, but they're told they're told not to tell what they're doing. Where in, in this setting, it's all about tell them what you're doing, tell them what you know, and all of that. So it's just different. It's just different, and that's why coming to these events, I think, has some value because you get to like, like Will Levis saying he has he has a cannon, and I'm going to show it off. That's we, the only person we heard talk like that was Rich Gangarello <laughs> last year, <laughs> uh, where Levis was a lot more reserved, I think, in some of the pre and post game stuff. Um, we saw some post game. We've seen some post game shenanigans through the years. Cash Daniel and Benny Snell, most notably. Uh, but this is just different to see something like this pre pre an event and to see again the bravado, um, the, like on the edge of cockiness. I would say, 
it was just a different Will Levis, and I think that's all by design. I think they're trying to get an image out there and trying to separate Levis because the big advantage he has is just the raw tools and playing in a pro-style offense. Which uh, there's a fine line you have to walk uh, between cocky and confident. So when you tell me I'm the best, that's the compliment. Shout out to Jadakiss um, and for all those who know that reference. But that there there is a fine line that he has to walk, but it does help because of his background. Uh, and it's something that doesn't get mentioned enough, but he's had different off coordinators five different years, three different ones at Penn State, two different ones at Kentucky. He can pick up a new offense quickly, and some stability could do him some good at the next level from a developmental standpoint. The other side of the coin is – at least the last two have been "quote unquote" pro style schemes. So, from uh, and that he kind of elaborated on that today when when they go into these sessions and they're drawing up stuff on the board, they're asking him, "Hey, what what was this concept here? What was that?" There's a lot of similarities in what they do, how they talk about it. Uh, I think Rich Scangarello's uh, play calls might be a little bit longer than X2. You know, it's it's not 32Y banana. What, what was the banana split play for Gruden? 32Y banana. Yeah. Oh, that's right, 32Y banana, yeah. So that's a little bit more simplistic than Rich Scangarello's paragraph that they had to rattle off. But nevertheless, a lot of the stuff that he did at Kentucky is translating to the meeting room over here at the NFL Combine. Yeah, interesting. He meant, first thing he mentioned or was asked about was the Panthers and he kind of elaborated on that. Two things interesting about the Panthers. Number one, Thomas Brown, who was the Rams assistant coach last year, who worked with Cohen in L.A. He's the offensive coordinator now in Carolina. Two, Frank Reich worked for Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. Then he left to be the Colts head coach. Rich Gangarello came in and was kind of a special assistant. And if you dig into that, Gangarello had some, like, I think some pass play, play calling privileges while he was in Philly. So that's two, that's, so that's two, that, you know, essentially down the line. There's two kind of relationships as an offense can be very, very familiar. One, Brown with Rams to Rick and it's kind of Peterson and Eagles ties. So I think that jumps off the page. We talked about it yesterday. And I've, I have Carolina mocked with Levis. That just seems like the fit for him. We'll see if it plays out. I think the Texans maybe is someone to watch. Nick, their offensive coordinator, Bobby Glowick, came from – he used to work for PFF. Like, long story short. PFF loves Will Levis. They love Levis. They love Levis because of the tools, because of the traits, because of the upside. Just something to keep in mind there. There is – I came into this. I really came into this week thinking there's very, very little chance Levis was going to go number one. I, th- I still think it's a, you know, that'd be an upset, but I, I do think it's possible just because it only takes one team, right? The the Bears aren't taking a quarterback; they're trading down. Someone's going to have to trade up to get that, and I think I could see the Texans, who you know, slow it came from the Niners, right? Or I could see. You know, the Panthers with the Thomas Brown Rams connection and Reich and the Eagles and Peterson kind of connection there. It just, that all, there's all, there's some signs there that it could, it could happen for Levis here. It's possible. It's possible. Um, we'd love to see it, especially somebody that invested in Will Levis as being the number one overall early in the process. Um, I, he, he, those were the two teams that he mentioned he's formally with up to this point. Um, hadn't met with the Colts yet. Does that mean the Colts are out of the sweepstakes? Yeah. Um, famous for the smoke screens. So I, we'll have to see how that works out with the Colts. But, 
you know, we don't know. It, 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 the Colts and Texans dynamic is just fascinating for me, right? They're both same division. They're going to have to go with each other, and they're both taking a quarterback in this draft. And they're both going to – one of them is going to have to trade up to get to get the quarterback they want. So that in, in itself is – that's kind of a fascinating dynamic in this draft. Is Levis in that mix or is it uh, young and strong? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, and then tomorrow's going to be big. Um, there's going to be a lot of overreactions one way or the other with all those quarterbacks throwing, and it's for Levis to maybe gain some to gain some ground. And I think you know, he had, like the struggles last year. You don't really hear it being talked about a lot yeah. outside of you know it's the like we talked about. The popular take now is that Devin Leary's going to like Kentucky lost the pro prospect, but they're getting a better college quarterback. I don't think that's the thought that a lot of NFL people have again because of the the traits and the pro scheme familiarity. I mean, he checked Levis checks a lot of physical toolboxes. Can he can he get there? Can to where can he get the nuts down? Can he get everything you need to where it meets? And then if it meets, you got a guy with all the tools in the world, and that's really why he's a tantalized prospect. The the part that you, you didn't mention that, that that I would have thought that that would have been a because you you know Dan Orlovsky goes on TV and he's. He's like, you see some of the tools, but you don't see it on tape, which was a very odd way to put it. It's like a ball of traits that it just hasn't all, like, it hasn't just, it hasn't all clicked yet, right? You're just waiting for it to click. Consistently, on a consistent basis. But it's funny you did bring that up, though, because all of the college football Knicks, uh, not like me, a college football Nick, but all of those college football guys, they, they, they bring up stats from the Vanderbilt game, or, you know, they, they, they bring up the, the Tennessee game. And that's not necessarily something that's talked about here or asked about a lot. I mean, it's Levis and Richardson both are kind of in that bucket where the NFL sees traits and values where what these guys can be, but they weren't those guys in college. So you have to ask yourself, why weren't they in college? What was the reason? And can can it happen for them in NFL? And I, I talk about this all the time, but like with Levis and even Richardson, I think like seeing what some of these quarterbacks that – have these traits and can be a little bit more mobile. You know, Josh Allen's obviously number one, but even like the QB run I've talked about, it's just a huge deal, and that's what Richardson can bring to the table. Plus, you know, a bazooka arm. Both of them got bazooka right arms, and they can just make a throws. It's a developmental pick, I think, both of them. It's a roll of the dice pick, but if it is, you know, you could have something. But QB scouting and evaluating it's a crap shoot in high school yeah. and it's a crap shoot in the draft you, you there's just something that you got to have usually and sometimes it's really clear trevor lawrence and joe burrow it was really clear like both these guys are going to be good sometimes it's not as clear zach wilson you just and it just feels like one of those years it's just it's just not super clear but every you got to have the quarterback so and when you get a you know a high pick and draft you need you need to pull the trigger eventually and take one of the qbs and someone is going to take will levis high this year and we'll see if it works out yeah and there is a thing too that will Levis has going for him that um not everybody it's not necessarily a good thing but he's overcome adversity at different stops uh at penn state as he said you know i learned that things don't always go the way they're supposed to but i'm going to keep my head down keep and he found some success. He encountered 
some more of those roadblocks in 2022, some more adversity, kept pushing through, kept playing through the hits, something you'll probably have to do if you're going to be a top pick in the NFL draft, take some licks, something Joe Burrow's done a lot. And look, and I found it interesting that um, – you know, for years and years with these NFL guys, they're, they're they're emulating, you know, the Peyton Mannings of the world, right? Now, I mean, hell, it's just like we were watching Joe Burrow at LSU, and now guys are saying they're watching Joe Burrow to try to emulate his game. Yeah, it was interesting, the pocket movement with Levis, I thought, because that's an area I think he's really got to get better at. Um, feeling pressure and then knowing the kind of gaps or areas are going to be where you can get away, just get your feet. Shuffle, a little slide. And get – and get your and get your feet set underneath you so he can show off that big arm he has. I think that's an issue he you know, he got pressured a lot but didn't handle the pressure all that great. He, he was he was accurate under pressure though. I think in PFF he was the best against the blitz in the country. Like ST Stack had some stats for him under pressure. He was one of the best quarterbacks now in the SEC. Uh so he's got experience with that. It's just consistently being able to do it. And with Levis, it's all about, to me, a lot of times just making the layups, you know, hitting the, the, the short intermediate passes to keep the offense moving and in rhythm and ahead of the chain. That's the thing I think for him is the key. Free throws and layups. We know he can make the big splash throws. We've seen them on tape, uh, but he's got to make the layups, and that's going to be – it's just part of his development. And if he's going to – if it's going to if it's going to last, it's going to stick. He's got to get better at that. And that's that's what he's going to be tested with tomorrow. 1 p.m. is when the coverage starts on NFL Network. Uh, it, it, Quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends tomorrow are all working out. Yeah. And it's not as, um, you know, it, it'll kind of be a drawn-out process. It's not going to be all action all the time. But that's when you can tune in to check it all out. He'll be thrown to some of the tight ends. And speaking of Joe Burrow, I got lucky over here. He might have been – I might have caught him drooling watching uh, Darnell Washington and Michael Mayer speak. Yeah. First off, Darnell Washington just – like, that's a big dude, man. I mean, you even said, like, God, is he looks like an offensive tackle. And I said, he's literally like 15 pounds away from being – he, He's two, two ham sandwiches away. That's all I need. Yeah, so – that guy is just, he's tantalizing because the, the ceiling is the roof. It was tantalizing your word of the day on your word of the day calendar? I guess so. Um, and then Mayor, like, dude, that, that guy just listening to talk, like, you get fired up, like, just listen to that guy. Um, just football, fo- football, 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 like, football, 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 intense about football, love football, 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 um, tight end, tight end, tight end. Uh, Travis Kelsey, all these guys, they, uh, every one of these tight ends talks about Travis Kelsey. Uh, oh, Washington, though, did have – when he was asked to rank his tight ends, he didn't even consider Travis Kelsey a tight end. He's like a receiver. I'm not even going to rank him up there. Yeah, he's like block first guy, so you got to get after it in the yeah. in the run game. I did I, – it, it would be cool, the, the local aspect, uh, because the, the reason why I brought that up, look at big Bengals fan. Bengals are in the market for a tight end. Mayor having a homecoming, Cuffcath guy – that, that would be not only cool, it would give some nightmares for some Frederick Douglass guys, some Douglass guys that are on the Kentucky football team now that had to play against him in that state championship game that he just took over. Uh, but also, he could just be the spokesperson for – he's got to be a Cincinnati Chili guy, right? Yeah, I would assume so. Northern Kentucky. You'd have to be. Between him and Sam Hubbard, too, you would have the, the local flavor. And it doesn't it feel like that all of the really good Bengals teams have some local guy? Uh, who's the kicker there forever that was a local guy? Uh, Kevin Huber was a punter from Cincinnati. Let's bring him back. We're just going to have all the Cincinnati guys. Uh, can we get Fat Randy back in Cincinnati? <laughs> no, nah, nah, I don't think that's going to happen. 
Are you confident in? Well, yeah. He had a good. He's had two good years um, so far. Uh, we have not talked to any kickers yet, unfortunately. Do we get any? When, when are the kickers showing up? I wonder if they were first day. I think no, they were either first day or yesterday. Yeah, that's right. Um, which some of the early returns, Nolan Smith, a Georgia defensive end, defensive end, ran a four three nine. Yeah, he was the number one overall recruit for the re- for a reason coming out of high school. Um, but I think you know everybody's talking about Nolan Smith, but to me, like that Kalajikansi, just four six seven forty. He went to Pitt. It's an undersized defensive tackle. Like, there's going to be 800 Aaron Donald comps heading into the draft. He's a guy. Can he sneak into the first round? He's a name to watch, especially if your if your team wants an interior pass rusher. A lot of people are going to be looking at him heavily. I think that was the big kind of. Those were the two big developments last night. Um, Jack Campbell at Iowa. We talked about Jack Campbell, Nick. Um, he had elite testing. You know, he's got like teams are already probably watering at the mouth. 6'4", 240-pound linebacker playing coverage. and can Somebody uh, pinned him to the Steelers, and it's like, that's the most Steelers guy. He, he could play for the Steelers for a decade and just all-time guy. Getting Leighton Vander Esch comps out there already, but there's not. Luke Keekley. Brian Erlacher comps are probably coming down the chimney. Um, but just tall, like those at, at Vander Erlacher, it's like tall, rangy linebackers who can move and play coverage. Like that's going to be the easy comp. He going. We're about to go watch this here in a little bit. Um, cornerbacks hitting the field and safety today. It's a fast track here in Indianapolis, as seen by the Nolan Smith 40. What can Carrington Valentine do? I think for him, we talked about cornerback is a loaded draft. If he goes out here and puts some testing numbers out, there's going to be some real value in him. We talked like he could go, I think, probably third round. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a day two pick. Um, if he lasts into day three, he's going to be off the board early. So a big day for him coming up. And then we move forward to see Levis throw tomorrow and then get the chance to talk to Rodriguez, Chris Rodriguez, and Tayshia Manning. We do need to talk about some of the shenanigans that have gone underway besides uh, Luckett smashing his finger right before we went on air, which uh, only two minor technical difficulties. Very, very minor today. Uh, but one thing that did make me – uh, not laugh. I was. Uh, everybody is dealing with the severe weather around the area, and the reason why the Big Jays and the NFL, everybody loves it in Indy, is because you don't have to go outside to get around. Most of the hotels are adjoining, uh, but we are not one of them, and so uh, the. It was kind of we got closer this year because usually we have to drive in. So that was nice, but we picked it like it would have been better if we could drive in today, because then we could have parked right by the convention center. We, we were uh, a short five-minute walk that felt like 50 minutes through the cold rain. Um, I, but you know what? This is this is going to make us tougher, right? When we get old, like well, we can tell our kids we walked uphill both ways to go to the combine. We got a little grit. Uh, we we it, that's football weather, right? A little cold rain. That was a that was like remember the 2019 season when it rained and when. At the end of the year, that was what the weather was today. Well, you all know at home back in Kentucky, the yard really wants some stuff too. But yeah, that's what it was this morning. <laughs> it was uh, made the walk a little interesting. It was also interesting to to try to uh, 
get a good spot, get good dibs, right? Because there was we knew Levis, it was going to be a crowd. I'm sure uh, the photographer Jacob Noj or UK snapped a photo of all the people there because there's you know dozens and dozens and dozens of people. So we got there early. Are you going Colts? Colts mascot? Well, was going to eventually get there because there was uh, it was also one lady too who. She just showed up and like knifed her way. Did you did you see her? Yeah, I did see the one that asked the music question. Yeah, she started in the back. She like just kind of worked. It, it was impressive. It's like uh, I, I feel like the short women can get away with it, but like if I tried to barge my way through the front of the crowd, then people would riot. It just it wouldn't work. Um, but, the cameras point of view. The cameras on the they, how it works. They have little cameras in the podium for the TV people. And then print and media can get front. Well, we're a big little noggin. It's right in the way. So he had he might make the news tonight back in Louisville, Lexington. Just just a little bit in the way. Not as much in the way as the Indianapolis Colts mascot, which um, our friend Lindsey Goff, uh, former UKJ school, she's now at WKYT. She was trying to get the Will Levis uh, press conference, but the Indianapolis Colts mascot needed it. Not way Will Levis. But then he turned around and realized he was in front of the cameras and then just walked towards it. Just got as close in the way as he could. Yeah, really cool, huh? Really cool. That's a great camera shot, right? Going right up somebody's nose. But that's what you got. You got the Colts mascot face instead of Will Levis's. I'm sure she was just thrilled to be able to capture that moment. That uh, peak mascot performer did uh, bow to the Colts mascot. Guys, uh, very creative. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Do we want to talk about the report by Ross Dellinger? I don't know if other. Well, he had the report about saving. So here's the thing. Um, we have, we have, and as I'm getting uh, worried, text messages from people back home. Hopefully, you're all safe right now through all this severe weather. Um, but Ross Dellinger is the kind of go-to. The go-to source, if you will, for SEC news breaking, right? I mean, if there's a big SEC news story, he likely has it. Uh, this morning, he wrote an article for Sports Illustrated, and it was quotes from Nick Saban, uh, for the lack of a better term, bitching and moaning because he's got to play Auburn, Tennessee, and Dallas. A few hours later, Dellinger notes at this, and all he used was an emoji that was cheers. And it was a rundown with every team in the SEC and three opponents. So first and foremost, like it, do we think it is legit? I would assume this is what they have in the league office. Right? Like Dellinger is pretty much embedded with the league. I just don't know if that's the right word, but he's pretty tight with he knows Sank- people. That's Greg Sankey. <laughs> <laughs> he knows Greg Sankey. So if anybody would... <laughs> Whenever it comes out, if it ever gets scooped, like he is, he'll be the one that gets that out there. So I think this is what they—the working assumption, right? The current. This is what they have. This is what they have written out right now, and maybe what they're gonna send in the proposal to the the members. Right, and and then people are gonna argue and debate, and there might be some minor changes here and there. And for the University of Kentucky, it's not great. Not great. Exactly, it's, it's, it's not great. It's not terrible. The reason why it's not great is having to play Georgia every year. Is who, who wants to do that? They're the new Bama. Yes, but to me, like 
the six you have in one year and the six in the next, that's more important to me than the three permanent. Because what if, like, Alabama, um, trying to think of another big, LSU, A&M, or Texas, are three in one, like, that's that's a lot, you know. But regardless, it's just going to be harder. This is going to be infinitely (laughs) harder. Like, you've got two big brands coming in the league. You're going to play an extra conference game. It's just going to be harder. And so, like, even if it wasn't, you know, where everybody's – the reason people over – if this was five years ago, you would have saw that, Nick, and we would have been like, all right, that's cool. It's just Georgia is the power – yeah, they're the powerhouse right now, all right? They're, new, they're the new Alabama, so you're freaking out because of that. You don't – but you're playing Mississippi State and South Carolina, teams you have, you know, collectively a good record against the last five to six years. Those are going into – and typically you're talking yourself into a win more times than not. Right. Yeah. And if you're going to have good years, you got to beat Mississippi State, South Carolina. I mean, that's just the bottom line. No matter how you shake it out. I mean, uh, everybody, like Brett McMurphy made the joke today. Vanderbilt, 15 permanent opponents. Everybody wants Vanderbilt. Not everybody's going to get Vanderbilt. Well, and I, I think the other thing too is that when the phraseology, for lack of a better term, is rivals, and he doesn't see it as a rival with any of those three. Maybe a little bit with South Carolina, but but. Kentucky fans don't care about Mississippi State. They're, they typically are good games, but nobody wants to go to Starkville, right? Like, people aren't chomping at that bit for that road trip. And then the, on the other side, I think Kentucky fans know that you're not going to get by with Vanderbilt every year. They thought, okay, if we're going to get a quote-unquote traditional power, let it be Tennessee at least. And even though – there. Dellinger reported today there's – they have ranked teams in the last 10 years, like records – for like a historical bucket. And what I think you're doing, Nick, 16 teams, it's 8-8, eight and eight, right? You're drawing a line at 8-9. The, the teams in the top eight, they're playing, they're playing two from that, from that group or pod, and they're playing one from the, the other pod, group or pod. Tennessee, way yes, and Tennessee is in Kentucky's group or pod. Yeah. <laughs> so Tennessee, so for historical reference, it's in the same as Kentucky. So sorry, Vols. <laughs> um, but that's that's really what it comes down to. And you think, like, out, the reason now Alabama's playing Tennessee is because they're in the bottom bucket. So, like, for Kentucky, it's just figuring out who you want to play. Georgia plays Auburn and Florida. they got to play someone from the bottom. I thought it would be South Carolina just because that is – South Carolina hates Georgia. That's more of a rivalry. That team does get a little bit more buzz. And I would say Kentucky-Georgia traditionally uh, here in the last 10, 15 years. But they're not they're, – South Carolina got Florida, Tennessee – in Kentucky, which you would think Kentucky might have got Florida, Tennessee, and then maybe Mississippi State or Vanderbilt. So that, that that's different. Just Mississippi State played every year. Like Nick, it's dead even. Like I, I get why they like they're sitting in Birmingham. Like let's just put Kentucky Mississippi State together. Look, they, they, it's they it's fifty fifty. It's as fifty fifty as it gets in this league. Um, so I get that South Carolina. Obviously, those schools are pretty even. You know, it's just a. a the Georgia factor. You got the big predator of the league. It's just it, you got to butt heads against every year. But like I say, you're going to have to – like you're playing them twice in the four years anyway. It's not like the, this what we have right now where you're playing Alabama once every, you know, five, six years. It's You're still going to have to play these teams very frequently. That's why I think the, the other pods matter just as much, um, how they split up the six and six. You're looking at your schedule because you're going to know. But – 
again, it's nine games. It's just going to be tougher. You know, Oklahoma and Texas are going into that rotation. It's just going to be tougher, and there's going to be unintended consequences with all of this. What program falls because of this? Right? Where it's just too much, and the like, the the expectations aren't, aren't meeting the results, and then does that cause like this huge tailspin for one of these schools that had high expectations? And then a school with low expectations, can they kind of, if they get the right coach in there, can they kind of punch above their weight class historically? Um, they, we have to see how all of that plays out. We just don't know how that's going to play out. Um, but what everybody needs to know is it's going to be more difficult, and you're going to have to look at the record different. You just are, right? Like seven and five, you know, five and four, four and five, seven and five, five or four and five is probably going to be a really good year. Like it's probably gets, like you're probably a top twenty-five team. <laughs> you know, you're just gonna have to look at it different, and it's just gonna be. It's, it's kind of it's it's kind of how we got our brains warped with records uh, following COVID year because it was it was hard to gauge. They handle that because we're headed to a two-week thing within that. I mean, it's just it's it might take us a while to get there, but that's what's going to happen. Like the Pac-12 is probably gonna like all signs point to that maybe imploding, and the Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah going to the Big Twelve. And then, if that happens, what's stopping the Pac-10 from calling Washington and Oregon? And if that happens, and Florida State and Clemson can get out of the Grand Rights ACC, they can come to the SEC. So, like, we are heading down that path to where we're going to have the, the two huge leagues. And then it's going to be – and then if you knock all those other teams out, it might be easier to make the playoff. So, we just got to have to see how it shakes out. Um, but it's college football is going to be different. Like the, the records are going to be different. Like seven and five is going to have a lot more value, in my opinion, moving forward than it has in the past, where it's people kind of some people scoff at that record. I think it's going to be like a legit. You'll be a legitimate team if you're if you're hovering around five hundred in the SEC. Dunger did follow up and say that this is from speaking with league insiders. It's their best educated guess. That's how he phrased it. So, so it's. It's a, yes, uh, a rough draft is a good way to put it. Uh, very intrigued. Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, and Florida, they kind of skate by, whereas Texas would get Oklahoma, A&M, Arkansas, which you talk about a team that's a power, They could that could be a huge buzzsaw for the Longhorns. Texas is just the easiest team. Texas and Bama, to me, are the easiest teams to draw here. It's just, all right, who Bama every right? Auburn, Tennessee, LSU. From a... From a you can get behind the eight ball quickly. I and mean, how long will it take for Texas just to have a winning record in the SEC? Yeah, you you just like Texas is all you just, you just feel like they're so close with how they can accumulate talent, right? Like you just feel like you're so close. But like, say something like the the, the decade Tennessee's coming off. Say like Auburn gets in this weird funk now. Like they could be in deep deep trouble in this new SEC where they're playing Alabama, Georgia. <laughs> Rotating in AM, you're rotating in Oklahoma, you're rotating in Texas. Um, we're all assuming like Texas will be the one to falter. Oklahoma's kind of on that boat's rocking a little bit right now, and they they draw Texas, Missouri, and Florida. Um, so we'll just, I mean, we're gonna have to see how all of this this shakes out. I mean, but it's it's gonna be a different league, and there's gonna be more challenges just because that extra game, and you're playing these teams more. It's not just, you know, it's not two conferences within one conference. Legit conference now or it is going to be and nine conference games that's a lot we saw how the 10 the 10 was a lot like it was fun for i I think we hear in like the media people talk about how cool the 10 was it was cool if you don't care like if you're not if you're not a fan but it was hard to watch your team go five and five four and six and thinking they were better than that like like the kentucky team 
That team had its flaws, but I did think that was like an eight and four ish caliber team Kentucky had. And they went four and six, and it wasn't that fun of a season, mainly because of COVID. But if it would have played out generally in a regular season, that's not like super fun. But it's you're just gonna have to people are gonna have to retrain their brains a little bit, and you can't just let people from the outside say, "Well, that team's not that good." They went six and three in the SEC. Well, they're probably ten to twelve best teams in the country. So like, if they're not good, who is good? One of the best in the country is, without a doubt, Monticello Bank. If you aren't banking with NBCBank.com, stop what you're doing. Go there right now. Check out their rates. Very competitive market right now. But bank locally with Monticello Bank. They will have you covered. We're really happy they're with 11 personnel. Uh, in the future, we'll be doing something like this at a Monticello Bank and sometime soon. We're going to be uh, their open spring practice April 1st. Yeah, they're, they're, they're having spring practice starts on Monday. Uh, Will Levis was talking to Devin Leary. The guys are, you know, fired up to, to get this thing going, right, to see where this offense goes. He's excited for the future of the Kentucky offense, even though he's not going to be a part of it. Uh, but this is the not the calm before the storm because it's storming, and we've got a forklift we're about to drive behind us. I really hope it gets in the frame. Can we filibuster off to get the forklift in the frame? I know. I don't need to wait for that forklift. But it, it is an exciting time right now. We're about to go watch some guys run around in their underwear for a little bit. It's kind of the last um, hurdle before we get into some more meat and potatoes over the next two months with spring ball, running into the NFL draft, running into camp season. And before you know it, boom, fall camp's here like it. Yeah, and it just uh, just this spring has more like – it just feels like it's got more buzz, right? Cohen's back. Lee's here. Feel like it's got more buzz, but there's also questions to be answered, right? You talked about because portal looms at window in May. So how does that all shake out? To me, Nick, the injuries. We've all seen all these injuries happen in the spring. Just knock on wood, like get out of there healthy. I think that's the thing is anyway. They cannot, you know, football is going to happen. Injuries happen in the season. Let's not let's not have them in the spring. But if an injury does happen, that tinker their you know, transfer portal philosophy. We've seen it in the past. You go out and Zion Childress. You go out and get Jacquez Jones. If an injury doesn't happen in the spring, those guys probably never play for Kentucky. Right. And so let's see how it all takes out here over, over this next month with 15 practices. It's an exciting time for the Kentucky football program. It's exciting to be here in Indy. We appreciate you all following along with us all weekend long. Make sure you're subscribed to KSR's YouTube channel. Go ahead and hop on KSR+. Plus. We're having a, a grand old time there on KS board. Uh, it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for having fun with us. For Adam Lickett, I'm Nick Roush. So long. We'll see you next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.